Thanks for joining us for the Relate Podcast, where we do the rest of our lives better by building better relationships. Today, we're concluding the Me and We series with a look at our friend circles. I'm your host, Casey Sunstead, and I'm joined again by Katie. Hey, guys. But Ari, you guys, is on vacation. Boo. So I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Keith Billoff. Hi, Keith. Hi. How are you? So good. I'm so glad you're here. This is really fun for me. Thanks. Casey and I have known each other for a long time. A few years. Yes. Since I was 14. Which was just like five years ago. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not that long. Real recent (laughs) history. (laughs) Keith and I went to high school together and have been friends for a real long time. So this is a treat. So thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just if we're going to know the basics about Keith, what do we need to know? I am married to a wonderful woman, Amy, of 23 years. You totally married up. Way Mm. out in front of my skis, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I have three fantastic daughters, uh, 14 years old, 17, and 19 years old. Um, I'm a high school administrator, so I'm in charge of a math science department at a high school in the area, and I am a marathon runner, so... How many times have you run a marathon? I've run 19 marathons. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what, Katie? Yeah, me too. I started when I was 12. It's fine. Me too, me too. No, that is unbelievable. That's awesome. And it's funny to me, knowing you so well in high school and now you're a high school administrator, mm-hmm. makes me think you maybe got inspired by all the times you had to go see the high school administrator. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah. Okay. Well, we're really glad you're joining us. Thanks for jumping in. Is there a favorite memory, Casey, that you have of Keith from high school since you guys have known each other just those last five years? (laughs) I mistakenly told my children this story. Oh. And now it's one of their favorites. Perfect. (laughs) So Keith, we were like good church kids having crazy fun Mm -hmm. that is still like acceptable crazy. Mm -hmm. And... We lived in the same neighborhood, and um, back then, you had a cable box, and everyone in the neighborhood had the same cable box and the same remote for the cable box. I don't think this is as true as it was. It's true anymore. No. Mm-mm. And so, and this was like really kind of scary for me. The really good, well-behaved kid. We would go outside with the remote to our cable box. Like way late at night, like nine o'clock. Wow, <laughs> so rebellious. <laughs> Do you feel the tension? And we would point our remote through other strangers' windows. Oh my gosh, that's and amazing. we would change their everything. We would turn up their volume and they would lose their mind. Right. And then we'd turn it back down again. <laughs> that's hilarious. And we would change the channel. Yeah. We'd turn the TV off. And, and then back on. Right. Mm-hmm. And we would watch, you could watch them freaking out. That's hilarious. And it made me really nervous. Like we were going to be in the biggest trouble ever if we got caught. I don't think we ever did, did we? No. And that's hysterical. Did you do it to people you knew or like just strangers? Mostly just strangers. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) That's all I remember. Yeah. Did you do it to people you knew? I'm sure we did it to like your house and my house. Like if my sister was watching. Yeah, your sister. Hi, Heather. (laughs) so fun and so my kids did this to their grandparents recently oh that's amazing it was real fun we had a blast i do that with like the sonos speakers yeah but 
I just do that in my own house to my husband and my like, roommate. How is the volume changing? I just play like a terrible song as that. I'm walking upstairs to go to bed. It actually continued into high school because when I was a teacher, you know, when remotes were coming out, we had universal remotes for all the classrooms. So you could stand outside of a classroom <laughs> oh and do the gosh. same thing. <laughs> People don't change. Yes. That's all good. <clears throat> I love it. Keith, I know you have been listening to the late podcast in this season. And so I would love to just invite you to give us any um, response you've had as you've been listening. What's one thing that you have become curious about? Or what's one thing that you noticed about the way you relate? Well, what, one, things that I've, one of the things that I've really been thinking about lately is how each season of your life has different relational times, mm-hmm. different amounts of friends can come in and out. And how you have the capacity to be able to build into friends or maintain friendships. Um, you know, in my current stage of life where we have three high school or three teenage girls. Yeah, whoa. It's really busy. You know, you're going to sporting events, to concerts, to all sorts of stuff. And so the time to be able to invest into friends is pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was re-reminded of how important it is to be present with my friends when I'm actually with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be present with the friends that you're with, you know, who might just be acquaintances, but it's okay to have them be acquaintances and to allow them into your life a little more. Yeah. I'm sure it's a, a huge challenge as a dad. You're working all day long. You've got these three girls that, I mean, they don't take any of your emotional, relational, <laughs> right? Oh, my no gosh. No energy. Three teenage girls. I can imagine. I'm assuming it would be a challenge to have relational energy to spend outside of those circles. It sometimes is pretty tough, yes. I would agree. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily I have two close guy friends that we meet together every Friday at Starbucks before uh, before going to work, and we just have time to not necessarily dig real deep into each other's lives, but at least share what's going on with each other and um, find a time that we can see how each other's doing, check in, and sometimes we're talking about important things, and other times we're just talking about fixing our dryer or um, <laughs> our downspout. <laughs> <laughs> I know who to call now. <laughs> we just got a house. So. Perfect. So oh, that's cool. And that's a huge commitment. That, that's got to be early. Five something. Uh, six o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Keith, thanks for sharing with us. I'm glad that you're here for this last episode in this series. So last week, we talked about how to best honor ourselves as maybe we're caring for a friend who is in pain or has some um, relational need. We got curious about our own relational capacities. And that ties in nicely for our topic today, where we're going to take a look at the relationships that we maintain. It begs the question, you guys, do you have a lot of relationships you maintain right now or or a few? And has it always been this way? Keith, you kind of started us off perfectly. I let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So what I heard you say is you probably have less relationships in this season than you have in others. I would say less deep relationships, um, but... uh... I've been in the area for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, I went to high school here and I'm now 47, 46. Forgot Sharing his age, age yeah, in a way that I wasn't willing. <laughs> so I've lived in the area for a long time. So I have a lot of acquaintances. In fact, I got in trouble with my family on Sunday because we wanted to just leave church. And on the way out, you know, I ended up having three <laughs> conversations. <laughs> but, you, ha- you know, I think I would say I have a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people I know, but I don't have the capacity to have a lot of deep relationships right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm almost like the opposite, I feel like. I know when I was growing up, I grew up in a small town. And so 
my older siblings, particularly my older sister, was super extroverted. And so she kind of like paved the way for all of the younger siblings. Like she knew everyone. So then we kind of were introduced to everyone by proxy. And so growing up, I always had a lot of friends in the neighborhood and at school and knew a lot of people. And then it wasn't until college that I realized I'm actually an introvert and I actually don't gain energy by being around so many different groups of people. And so I started to have to say some hard no's, but was able to invest in a few like close relationships that some are still still going today. So my best friend now, I met her in college and we were roommates and now we work together. And so I have a lot not a lot. I have a few really close relationships that I like to invest most of my time in. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I have a lot of relational energy. I'm an extrovert and I love connecting with people. And so whether whether it's deep, I love to go deep fast. We actually, in my um, my mom's side of the family, we have, my cousin got married and he joined our family and he said, you guys are too friendly too fast. <laughs> And we were like, that's totally us. We're going to make t-shirts. Too friendly, too fast. And um, so I definitely have that from my family of origin where I just love making new friends. I like having a lot of friends. And I like being, I like knowing those friends and being known by them. So um, usually I'm maintaining a lot of different friendships from a lot of different circles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that... um, Sometimes in my life, I have a lot of time for that. And like Keith mentioned, and like I know I've shared in this um, podcast season, in this stage of life, I have less time to reach out to those friends than I used to. Mm -hmm. But I still have that high, high relational capacity desire. Yeah. And I remember in my probably mid-30s, I realized I had gotten myself into too many relational Mm -hmm. circles. I had um, my Wednesday morning girls and I had my college girls and I had my work friends and I had my, I mean, it was just a lot. And Matt had even commented like, oh, did you just, did you just make another group? (laughs) Did you add another group? And I had to um, kind of enter into an exercise of sorts to kind of take an inventory of, okay, where have I committed myself relationally and how much relational energy do I actually have? I had to kind of look at my energy, my relational energy with intentionality. So did Mm -hmm. you have to like cut people out of your life? That is an awesome question. No. And what does that look like? (laughs) You done. And we did. We talked about breaking up with friends a couple episodes ago. Um, And I, but I did have to kind of ask myself, which of these relationships is helpful in my life and which of them are less helpful and um, and maybe even take a look at my motivation. Why am I, why do I keep adding people? Why am I collecting them everywhere I go? So um, Keith, that is such a good point because if we do take a look at our relational circles and we start to kind of categorize friendship, why, why is it that that feels kind of icky to us? I think there's a couple of reasons. I actually had someone that I was close with in college had a map of his friend group and he like took this very seriously and I feel like that would be a helpful exercise I don't think that the exercise itself is bad but 
it was posted on his wall in his <laughs> dorm room, which felt like to me, that's like the line, you know, like, like people could come in and check icky. to see if they're on. Yeah. Like we're in so. the circle, like literally we're in the was circle it like of friends. A target, like the middle and then bigger, bigger, bigger. It was kind of more like a graphic organizer. Oh so there were like goodness. all these connected bubbles. And part of it, I think he was just genuinely curious about how everyone was connected. Yeah. But there was also like this sort of weird level of like, well, I'm on the outside. Like that feels weird and kind of gross. And like he was on the in the middle, which mm-hmm. is like also like obviously it makes sense for him. But posting it on your wall, it was like so you think really highly of yourself. <laughs> I said this, alluded to this earlier when you were asking about do we have a lot or a little. But for me in college, it really was an exercise, especially because I moved like five or six hours away from where I grew up and exercise in realizing like I don't have the emotional and relational energy to invest in all the relationships back home. They weren't bad relationships, but because of proximity, I just, I can't invest that much time in maintaining those relationships. And that was really a hard shift for me because it felt like I'm being a bad friend if I'm saying no to these people that I genuinely care about. And if I were near them, I would probably try and reach out and see them. But just recognizing I didn't have the capacity to invest in all those relationships was hard. So I think that it sounds really harsh, but I actually think it's a really helpful exercise to kind of draw your own map, if you will. Just don't post it on your wall but <laughs> or your fridge. That's like the more adult term probably than your dorm room wall, but post it on your fridge. There's something I think natural that we we probably do this without noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, even is it Instagram wants me to like categorize my close friends versus my acquaintances. Like you could share this story to just your close friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for somebody like me, Um, I remember in college, somebody asked me if you if something big happened in your life, and you have to tell your people how many people would that be? Mm -hmm. And I realized it was like, way over 700. It might have been closer to 20. (laughs) And, um, and at a certain point, you have, I think naturally, you you do kind of categorize your, your relationships, whether or not you're putting it on your fridge. Yeah. But you're going like, these are my closest. And, um, yeah, there's different category categories. Yeah. Well, even there's some events, I feel like, life events that naturally lend itself to that. I think of getting married. Totally. Like I knew, yeah. how many bridesmaids and groomsmen do you have? And mm-hmm. um, You have to match the, the same number as your soon-to-be husband. I, we didn't match, actually. Good for you. Yeah, Breaking them all. It was very, <laughs> very different. He had seven and I had four. And but it was such a so reflection of our personality. Like walk back. No, the, the girls each got two boys, <laughs> except for the maid of honor and the best man. So, but it was a we had a long discussion about it because there's like kind of some pressure. But I was like, I don't want to like ask someone because then it felt like I needed to maintain a deeper relationship with them. But I also didn't want. I don't know. There is this pressure to like have to match, and we were just like, actually, this is who we are. My husband, Barney, is extroverted and has a lot more people in his yep. close circles. Mm-hmm. And I have like, just a couple and that was okay. But even like life events, like having a baby, like who do you tell and who comes to the hospital and like some of those things, it's always interesting to see how people kind of figure that out. Yeah, so. and I think so much of those life events, like a wedding or something like that would change depending on where you are in your life. 
Oh, yeah. You know, so if you're getting married just out of college, you have that huge group of college friends or in college, you know, that you would like, well, I got to invite all these people because you yeah. literally live with everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, you know, in your 30s and 40s and you're in a career and you have just a smaller group of friends, you're not going to have this giant train of mm-hmm. bridesmaids and groomsmen. Maybe, unless you're Casey. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's categories. Like I, I do have all these groups, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that's some of... Um, why this might feel icky to say like these are my best ones and these are my for me I like to just <laughs> you label them by activity yeah these are <laughs> like my my mom friends yeah. <laughs> these are my cooking friends these are my keep going work you're doing friends. a good job yeah <laughs> like trying to go through the list <laughs> you know my 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 circles yeah do you guys see value in or are we saying it is icky in categorizing what would we gain by taking a look at our friendship circles yeah I think it's helpful, especially if you find yourself in a place where you're either emotionally or relationally drained in some way, and you're trying to figure out, like, what are some ways that I can do a better job of taking care of myself? That's when I think it is actually really helpful to kind of evaluate, again, some of those life events, the shifting in events changes how much capacity you have. You know, Keith, you have three teenage girls, your capacity is lower, and so at those sort of turning points in life, I think it's helpful to sort of reevaluate, okay, how much time can I invest in this while still being present for the other people in my life? Um, And being realistic and not not putting the pressure on yourself of, oh, I need to to maintain all these friendships because then you're going to feel bad when you don't do that. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to be this vicious cycle of Mm -hmm. you're not doing it. So now you're feeling worse. And, you know, even as we're talking about this, you guys said the perfect words for what I was feeling. You said... Keith, you said pressure, and Katie, you said trying, mm. and I think I wasn't aware. I, it was more of a subconscious thing. As I'm maintaining a lot of relationships, it can be exhausting, mm-hmm. and I start to not do it well. Like yeah. all of my circles start to suffer, mm-hmm. and um, that's the enneagram really opened my eyes to the fact that I'm on enneagram two, and for the first time ever, I started to look at my motivation behind having so many relationships. Mm-hmm. And in my uglier days, in my less healthy days, I think I did have some motivation in if I have a lot of friends, then I will be loved, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I think I was trying mm-hmm. and trying and trying. I enjoyed it. I love relationships and I love connection. But there is a part of it that I was making sure that people would like me and care for me too yeah we've talked earlier or we haven't because this is my first time but but you've been joining us (laughs) i love it i love that you feel like a we because we are a we right but we've talked about being healthy and i mean you just talked about it but if you're not healthy with yourself you're not going to be able to be a friend to others yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well and i think the reverse is true as well so we've talked a lot about like evaluating your circles to see if you like maybe are investing too much time in some of them but the the reverse is true as well if you're feeling kind of lonely, it might be time to evaluate your circles to see if, oh, there's like, I'm only finding friends in one place. And these other places I'm spending my time, I'm not finding true friendships there. Maybe it's work and it might be time to evaluate. Do I need to change my place of employment? Because that's where I spend most of my time. Or, (laughs) you know, is it at my church or at this activity that I do and I'm not finding friends? Yeah. Yeah. 
that maybe you need to start a new activity or you need to um, add in some more diversity to the places that you're finding friends so that you can expand your circles a little bit, especially if you have capacity. Yeah. And it's so good that we're even talking about considering our relational circles because the whole idea of this series is that we're honoring ourselves in relationships kind of considering what is your motivation behind these relationships and are you being intentional in a way that can still um, honor your place in -hmm. these circles? Yeah. And so Katie, as we take a look at some of the circles, um, do you have some categories that we could consider as we're evaluating our relational life? Totally. Well, I think it's in addition to the number of people in our circles, which is kind of where our conversation is focused. The number far. of people in our circles and the number the of circles. circles. Yeah, yeah, all the numbers and circles. <laughs> uh, I think that it's important to kind of consider at least three categories, sort of people ahead of you, people beside you, and people behind you. Mm-hmm. So someone who is in that mentoring category, do you have people that are pouring into you where they have more wisdom or more life experience or more um, knowledge about a certain thing that you're involved in that they're able to um, kind of be ahead of you in, in their journey? Um, and then the group that we tend to have the most of are people beside us, kind of people that are in a similar life stage or have a similar, you know, levels of wisdom and knowledge about whatever stage stage of life you're in. And then I think it's also important kind of just uh, to have people who are maybe behind you a little bit of who are you mentoring? Who are you developing or pouring into? Whether that's within your family, like your kids, or whether it's other people who um, maybe you know at work or uh, in your various life activities. I think it's important to just to be a well-rounded person. I think it's helpful to have friends, not only like a certain number of friends that maintains a healthy balance, but a certain number of friends in each of those categories. So evaluating your friendships can can help you see like, wow, I don't have anyone who's a mentor to me. I don't have anyone who I'm intentionally spending time with who is helping me develop as a person. That's an important thing to, to be aware of so that you can seek that out. Um, and it's true for each of those categories. That's actually how September and I, September was on season one. If you guys listened to the Relate podcast when we talked about family of origin, September became my friend because I realized I, and I tend, this tends to be the theme in um, my relational world. I have a lot, like you said, of friends beside me. Mm-hmm. And then I do love mentoring And Mm -hmm. so I often are leading a small group of younger girls or, um, like I said, I've worked with college students. So Mm -hmm. that's an easy one for me. The one that I often am lacking is somebody who's gone before me. And so I intentionally asked September, I'm like, you have five kids that are amazing and love each other and are super funny. Teach me how to do that. Teach me your way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Keith? Is there a specific one of those categories that you tend to... Um, have to be more intentional about? I think, like you said, looking for people who've gone before me. Um, but then also looking, I mean, I think, I guess there's two. Sure, <laughs> maybe that's I'm okay. Just, I maybe love I'm it. just that unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> but also being aware of the fact that I have gone before others. Yes. You know, and because sometimes you just, you just naturally think you're still the same age that you 
you know, you're still just a brand new teacher yeah. or you're still just a brand new whatever. And you forget that, oh my gosh, I've been in the education system for 23 years. Like that's a long time. So mm-hmm. I can't even remember who was in that position when I, when I came, when I became a teacher, you know, I think that's a huge thing to be, like you said, um, Katie, to be able to look at those categories and figure out, okay, where am I lacking? And then which ones do I need to work on to look for other people to either be a mentor or to mentor or to have mutual? I mean, which one of those buckets is low? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you point out like time is such a weird thing, especially for our perspective. Like, oh, I actually have something to offer in this category for other people. And I that just kind of happened right mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. last, yeah. Yeah. When did you become an adult? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I literally was just joking with your wife about this like <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Like being an adult, I used to think, oh, like they just know everything. But then you become an adult and you realize we're all just making it up. Yeah. But well, it's helpful to hear how other people have made it up and learn from from them. 100%. Another weird thing about the time thing, as I consider these three buckets, if you will, um, is Katie, you come to mind because Katie's um, just a tiny bit younger than I am. (laughs) But she is um, one of the people who has really helped me in my in one of the, my crafts to be better. Um, I was writing a message uh, like for a workshop and Katie took a look at it and Katie made it so much better. Mm. And thank um, yeah, thank you. And <laughs> it's kind of a new thing for me because I do think of myself as really young and I'm not, you know, and so now I'm working with people who are younger than me, but that might be more of an expert in me in different areas. And that's a whole new category for me, like people who are younger than me, but also can mentor me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really loving it. Yeah, it's great to be able to be open enough to other people and the relationships that you have and say, you know what, they have a story and they have expertise that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And also not be afraid to offer your expertise to someone that's gone before you. And not obviously not in a cocky way or anything, right. but just, hey, this is something that I've, you know, I've experienced. And, you know, if that person's open, they might learn or they might mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And if we can identify the fact that people who have gone before me are such a blessing to me to remember that as we're looking to offer that to other people, like this is going mm-hmm. to be helpful to them. Yeah. Right. And I would say some people can be that in different realms. Like, so Casey, you've been married longer than me, so I can look to you for advice on what struggles like we might be having in our marriage because we've only been married for two years, but then I can offer you some wisdom on a talk, like you said. So I think it it doesn't have to be limited by a person or their age, but it is important to just be intentional about making sure you have people in all of those circles. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's a great thing about the mentor-mentee relationship Mm -hmm. is that you learn so much both ways as long as you're open to it. Um, Similar to teacher, student teacher, I learned so much from the times when I had a student teacher because you're re-examining how someone does it Mm-hmm. And you're watching for how they do it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. Or like, yeah, you know, that's a great way to do it that I had never thought of. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. It's not a one-way benefit. Correct. You're not so just building true. into that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you are in that mentoring relationship, that's one of the first things I learned is like, oh, I'm showing up as the hero here. Oh, my gosh, this is challenging and blessing for for me even more than I intended or expected. Katie, as we consider mentoring or friendships that are with us or people that we can mentor, um, it does make me think about more. (laughs) Is this just an invitation for Casey to have more circles? (laughs) 
Um, how would you suggest we consider these three categories, but also consider ourselves and honoring ourselves well? Yeah. Well, and again, I think if you use the analogy of like money, like you have a certain limited resource of emotional energy, emotional coins, if you will. And so um, if you're in a season where you have less because you have three teenage daughters or you have two middle school kids and you don't have as much time to invest in relationships, that's where just being really wise about where you're spending those emotional coins is helpful. So if you can find someone who maybe is mentoring you as a parent, but you can offer them something as a teacher and kind of like have multiple roles for the same relational friendship, if you yeah. will, yeah, that that's a really wise way to spend your emotional currency. And um, it might be just helpful to evaluate that. Like there might be some really great and beautiful friendships that you may need to step away from because it's a limited uh, resource, if you will, uh, when you're spending your time and energy with that person. And that can feel like not great. That can feel like, oh, I'm being a bad friend or that's where the guilt and shame, like, oh, I'm such a horrible person can easily kind of infiltrate. And that's where it's, it's helpful to just be wise about what is a realistic relational world for me and I don't need to apologize for that mm. or I don't need to feel like I'm a bad friend just because I I don't have the same capacity as other people so I know Casey you have lots of friends and lots of friends that <laughs> period <laughs> real popular I'm glad you know you are so popular <laughs> But also lots of friends who don't live nearby, yeah. you know, and, and you can maintain those friend, long distance friendships. I had a friend of mine tell me that he has room for two um, long distance relationships mm. and one of them is his brother. And so he just knows that about himself, that that's the way it is, you know, yeah. but he knows that he's got these emotional coins and he can spend one more on somebody far away, but then he's going to focus the rest of them on. So he's like, close so Keith, don't move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or we're done. Exactly. Or <laughs> flip that coin. Yeah. <laughs> And I, but I, we say that jokingly, but that might be a reality for him. Like the reality is if you, Keith, if you were moving, he might have to have like this, it's going to change our friendship because mm -hmm. I just, I only have so many and maybe he already has that second spot right. filled, yep. you know? It's so actually really self-aware. It's yeah. really yeah. self-aware and it's actually really kind to you to say that up front instead of like pretending like, oh, we're going to stay like these really great friends forever. And then you're going to be disappointed when he's not able to maintain that relationship. So it's, you're going to experience some sort of pain in relationships. So I am of the mindset that it's better to be upfront about where the pain is going to be as opposed to trying to pretend like there's not going to be pain or there's not going to be a shift in it. Um, I think it's just way healthier to have those conversations up front um, so that people aren't disappointed later on as opposed to just pretending everything's going to stay the same and not change. Mm -hmm. it, it, that's just not realistic. I really appreciate that invitation. I'm hearing what you're saying as an invitation mm -hmm. to be kind with and up front because I think that's where we started this conversation about like, oh, it feels icky to categorize our friends. It feels mm -hmm. like we're saying like you're less than or... No, we're categorizing them so that we can be an intentional and upfront about what we have to offer. Yeah. 
We're still well, going to like their posts on social media. Yeah, totally. you can like those exactly. posts from California oh, totally. till the day right, is exactly. done. <laughs> and that's the beauty of like technology and of being connected to more people. And it's a different type of relationship. But I, re- I was mentoring this girl a few years ago and one of her friends was getting married. And the friend that was getting married told her, well, don't worry, like nothing will change. And mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with her because she was struggling because things were already changing as she th- this friend was engaged. And I was like, I think she had the best intentions when she told you that. But the reality is there's no way that's true. Like, because they were also in college. So they were like roommates. And it's like, there's it's going to be different just by nature of the fact that you're no longer going to be living in the same space. It cannot stay the same. And we, I think we fight so hard for like our friendships have to stay the same forever, but that's not, that's not realistic. And that's not kind to our friends if we try to like maintain this expectation that nothing ever is going to change it. It's like accepting the changes and then you can move forward in a healthier way with realistic expectations. You know, we started this conversation by me asking Keith, like, what's, what's one thing you've heard on the podcast that's helped you? Well, one of the things that I've heard on the podcast that's helped me is that piece of, yeah, um, you don't have to feel bad if a relationship is coming to an end or changing, mm-hmm. but to honor it and just say, I'm so grateful for what it was in that season. Mm-hmm. That's been um, really helpful for me to be curious about like, why am I feeling shame as this comes to an end? Why am I feeling like I am bad or I did bad? Yeah. Instead of just being grateful that it happened. Mm-hmm. No, I'm preaching to myself so much when I say that. I have to consistently remind myself, even still, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, that high school friend, I'm so sad. And I'm like, wait, I can be sad that it's not here, but we had a great friendship in high school and I can celebrate that. I don't have to feel bad that I haven't been intentional about reaching out to that person. Like we talked every day in high school when we were in the hallways next to each other in our lockers, you know? Yeah. So, and I actually think for me anyway, sometimes I let the shame that I feel about the relationship changing or the relationship not um, being as frequent. I let that get in the way. Mm -hmm. Like um, when that person comes in my mind, I think, Oh gosh, I'm terrible. I haven't mm. talked to them. Right. And I feel so bad. And now now I have another reason to not talk to them because I feel bad about the fact that I haven't talked to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet don't. when you reset, reach out to them, yeah. they're so thankful. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I can yeah. just keep that mindset of I'm grateful that it happened. I was thankful for that season. I'm not compounding it and making it even mm-hmm. trickier to reach out. Yeah. Well, and it's like if you find yourself starting the conversation with them with like, I'm so sorry, it's been forever. Like I I had someone recently, a mentor say to me, like, you need to stop apologizing and maybe just thank them for their grace or for their patience. And man, that has been like so hard for me. I still find myself like typing out, I'm sorry, or starting a conversation that way. And so that's been a helpful reframe of like, you can just Thank them for the way that they are honoring you, even though you don't have as much time and availability as you would like to. Mm -hmm. I love that challenge, Katie. Like if we can get curious and notice before we say, I'm sorry, and we can reword it. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I've been Mm -hmm. actually practicing that Mm -hmm. because um, it was told to me that, yeah, sometimes women apologize too much, Mm -hmm. especially in the workplace. And so I kind of check myself to see if I really am sorry and I want to apologize or it's a cool thing to think about 
replacing it with a thank you instead of an I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or instead I was of, thinking of you. Or, yeah, you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. That I would love to hear that. And mm-hmm. when people apologize for not, I'm like, yeah, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But if they thank me, that's mm-hmm. so right. cool. Mm-hmm. It can feel really honoring. Thanks. Well, this is really helpful for me as we conclude this series where we've considered ourselves and how to honor ourselves in relationships Mm -hmm. to be able to have the permission to take a look at my relational investment, my relational coins and how I want to spend them. And that that isn't rating my friends, but it's honoring myself and my relationships. So Mm -hmm. thanks for joining the conversation, you two. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's fun. If you have joined the Relate podcast before, you know that we'll leave you with some reflection and discussion questions at the end of each episode. And of course, you can gain some insight about yourself if you ponder these on your own. But we here at the Relate podcast think life is richer when you experience it with others. So perhaps you can grab a friend or host a group of friends for coffee and share your thoughts on the following questions. I'll ask each question and give you a chance for reflection following each one. Question one, are you someone who tends to have high numbers of relationships that you are maintaining or smaller numbers with just a select few? Question two, when you consider the categories of mentoring, mutual, and being mentored, which category is often lacking for you? Is there one step you can take to seek out a new relationship in this category? Question three, how rich are you in relational coins? Do you need to make some changes in how you spend your coins? What would that look like? And we often leave you with a challenge. And so this week, we are challenging you to take some time to take inventory of your relationships and consider how you can honor yourself by comparing it to your relational capacity. What's one change that you are being invited to make as you learn to honor yourself in relationships? And as always, we'd love to hear from you. If you've learned something or gained some insight about yourself, we would love to hear all about it. Send us an email at relate at willowcreek.org or share with us in our Relate communities on social media. We want to hear your stories, and we might even share your story on a future Relate podcast. We're so glad you joined us for the second season of the Relate podcast, The Me in We, where we took a look at honoring ourselves in relationships. We hope it helped you notice some new things about the way you relate and even gave you some tools to honor yourself as you also honor others in your relationships. And we have some exciting announcements for you about what's coming up in the Relate podcast world. We've been busy planning season three and hope you'll join us in just two short weeks. We know that all healthy relationships have conflict and so we will take a look at how to approach helpful conversations between friends. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss new episodes. And we are so excited to invite you to a recording of the Relate podcast. If you've been listening, we would love to have you join us. Season three is going to end with a fun live event on Friday, November 15th. We're going to share more information about the live podcast event during season three. We'd love to meet you and see you there. Mark it in your calendars now, Friday, November 15th. And until then, don't let the conversation end here. Share your stories and insights with us on Instagram and Facebook as we learn how to build better relationships.